Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Give you just a second. Uh, French talked about it for just a moment, but uh, if you would take that card and uh, write a question down. This is kind of crazy. I know. Uh, write a question down you have always wanted to ask uh, about another race or an, eth- an eth- eth- ethnicity um, or a culture. Any, any question you've always wanted to ask, but you're like, I'm definitely not asking this one out loud. So you write and write in, a, in like a way that I can't even read your, no, I'm just kidding. You know, write, <laughs> I don't know whose handwriting it is. No, but it's a, it's a really good, cool thing that we're going to do in just a second. So I'm going to give you just a minute to do that. Um, so think of one of those questions, write them. We need at least, at least three good ones. Okay. So, or, or you, so, so fill those out and let us, uh, then as a matter of fact, do we have some ushers around? Not Braden, but some other ushers. Nate. All right, so Nate, they're going to hold them up. Just fold them in half. Nate is going to come and grab them. All right, so when you're done writing that question, hold it up in the air, and then Nate's going to come and, uh, and grab those. we got a couple of things we want to let you know about. We've got Alternative Gift Market, which is going on. It's a really cool way to give uh, gifts around Christmas time uh, that are a different sort of whole different pattern uh, where you can uh, give some people gifts in, uh, in some really cool ways. So I won't, I won't tell you too much more about it other than that is a really great thing that our youth have set up, and they put a whole thing together, so I'm really proud of them. Please take a, che- a second on the way out and check in there. We've also got our small group sheets up. We'll be hitting those right after the first of the year. It's going to be a really exciting movement that we push into this upcoming year in 2019. So sign up for one of those things and we'll make sure that you guys know what's going on. Lastly, this, uh, this week is the last week to sign up for a youth event that we've been doing for a number of years called Wild at Heart. Um, and so I'm going to invite Braden to come on up on the stage with us. And, um, and Braden has been to Wild at Heart, and it's for middle school boys and their dads. And it's a time for, uh, we talk about some pretty deep stuff there. And, um, and so I'm, Braden, I, I'm going to let uh, you share with them kind of what it was like. Just uh, what was it like being at Wild at Heart? Was it cool? Yeah, Wild at Heart is basically you go up into the mountains um, just with you and your dad, and um, basically you have three nights, right? Mm-hmm. Three nights, and uh, you oh, two, but yeah. two nights, yeah. and um, it's just an all-around amazing experience. Yeah. Y'all give it up for Braden. <laughs> Appreciate that, buddy. He's really, he's really a brave dude. So um, yeah, it was really awesome. I got to go with my son Gabe. I'll be there this year and uh, and be a part of that uh, ministry experience. It's really cool. So if you have a middle school boy, that's for that that age group there. We want to make sure you get a part of that. And we'll have something out on the table. Are there flyers already on the table? Or there's going to be a sign-up sheet. Laura said she put a sign-up sheet out there. So we'll make sure if you want more information, you haven't gotten a chance to. Um, Jeff, our youth director, will make sure you know what's going on. So wave to everybody, Jeff, so if they don't know who you are. Um, all right, so uh, I'm going to give you another second to finish writing those questions. Uh, raise them up in the air, uh, and Nate's going to come around and get them. We need at least three or four really good questions, uh, so I'm going to give you just a second while I grab my uh, coffee. All right, so take one more second. Something you've always wanted to ask somebody of another race, culture, ethnicity. All right, and if, uh, if you guys have more, uh, as, you, as we get going, you guys can raise, uh, raise up your hands. And I thought to myself, I thought, self, this will be fun today. We're doing a sermon uh, called Versus, and this is us versus them. And we thought we might take a little bit of the time and, and think about what that really means uh, to us. And I thought, who better to answer all of these questions about other races and ethnicities uh, than a white man? 
So I brought uh, two of my good friends, Pastor Marco Segovia and Dara Metcalf. Um, y'all welcome them up to the uh, platform here, would you? So I'm going to test this mic and make sure it works. Check one, check, hey, check, check one, check, check one, check, hey, excellent. All right, and then you get the other fancy one right over here. And, um, and so what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to get you to just uh, for a second, um, just tell, um, tell us your, uh, well, I just said your names, um, but how long you've lived in the, in the Charlotte area. How about that? All right, so Dara, if you would start off. I'm Dara Metcalf. Thanks for having me today. I've been Woo. in Charlotte for 11 years. 11 years. Awesome. Uh, we've been in Charlotte for about two and a half years. Two and a half years. All right, so um, you guys finish writing those cards, raise them up in the air, and we're going to start with a prayer. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, thank you so much for the opportunity to witness your word made flesh here in this place. Thank you so much for bringing us together that we can talk about things like this. Um, and thank you so much for Dara and for Marco and for their witness for you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, Nate, uh, bring us up our questions. The fun part is, uh, these guys are brave enough that they have no idea what's coming, and I'm pretty sure some of you guys gave us some humdingers, which are gonna be great. But to start it off, um, I asked them to just sort, of, uh, just sort of share a time and place maybe or an experience that you've had or been around where you have been placed as sort of an outsider, all right? So, so uh, I don't know who wants to go first. I'll go ahead. Of course he will. Y'all know Marco. You know he's always willing to jump right in. All right, Marco, share with us if you would. All right. 30 minutes short, okay? And then we'll add 20 minutes. 30 minutes is short. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, let me start with uh, explaining. uh, As he asked me the question, the first thing that comes to mind is the timeline. And the timeline that I wanted to share with you guys really quick, I'm going to try to do it really fast, is my my grandparents uh, came here illegally from Mexico. Um, So I'm going to start with maybe a visual in my hand somewhere down here. Then my mom was born in the U.S., but was raised in Mexico. Then we were born in the U.S., but moved back to Mexico. Then we moved back to the U.S., and we were raised here by a single mother. That got four of us, all four siblings, you know, through school. And then I became the third one to graduate from college. Well, before graduating college, I, had, I served my country. And then graduated from college, then moved to the Carolinas. Uh, we lived in the uh, Winston-Salem area. So one of the, my, my experiences was, so here I am, you know, honorably serve my country, graduate from college, move here with my wife, um, Kelly, and, um, and first thing was like, oh wow, we moved to the South. How exciting that's gonna be to, you know, be in the Bible Belt and be excited and be welcome and, and just grow in this community where I found every, every opportunity I had to serve, if it was as a volunteer, firefighter, or anything in the community, just to be part of. Uh, and I was working as a juvenile counselor at the time. So I was also doing things for my community, but when, I, when people approached me that did not know me, um, they always asked me, oh, so where are you from? And I'm like, oh, you know, I live here in Winston-Salem, Mary. No, 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 where are you from? Oh, I moved here from California. <laughs> no, 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 where are you from? I said, oh, are you asking me where my family is from? Yes, from Mexico. That's what I thought. So here I am back again. Mm. Um, that was several. It just, I got used to it after a while, and I just skipped the whole process of, oh, I'm from here, from the Carolinas, I'm from California. I'm just from Mexico. That's just my, my experience. Um, and it just like I said, it's something I live with, and you get used to it after a while, but when I share that story with others, they're like, oh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I just went all the way back here. 
mm -hmm. after all the accomplishments that my family and myself have done. You know, so I just yeah. want to share that with so, you. Guys. So, so not a college grad. Not a college not, grad. Not a veteran of not the United States military. Nope. Uh, not even a pastor. Not even a pastor. And and not even Marco. Not even Marco. Just Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Dar. Um, so the hard part about the question Matt posed was narrowing it down to one story. So I'm going to tell two really okay. quick. One is uh, actually my mom's story. So we're from Richmond, Virginia. Um, my mom's 66, um, born in 1952. And she told me a story of driving through kind of the countryside. So w she's from Richmond City, um, but her family lived out in the country. I don't know how to explain it. It'd be kind of like if you were like out in Mint Hill, like past Mint Hill. It's like, that's the country. Um, and she remembers driving with her dad and her mom and coming to an intersection and there was a KKK march happening. White hoods and everything. And so when she's telling me this story, I just figured she was too um, young to experience that. Like I didn't realize that was her generation. And so they stopped at this intersection, kind of freaking out. Um, and one of the guys in the parade comes over to the car and just stands near it. And what he was actually doing was just protecting them, really, just letting them know, all the other marchers know, we're going to leave this family alone. But they marched right past in their white hoods and, and kept going. Um, but for her, that was a, a pretty scary experience. Mm -hmm. um, and so the next story I'll tell is, um, so I went to a, a private school for middle school and upper school. Um, I graduated with 49 other girls, and there was four black girls in the whole graduating class. Um, and we had a lot of different social events, proms and homecomings and that sort of thing that you needed to dress for. And so there was one um, particular store called Monkeys that had um, you know, high-end dresses and that sort of thing. And it was always really fun to go dress shopping with your friends. So there was four or five of us that went to Monkeys to pick out a dress. I don't remember what the event was for. And I remember going up to the door and my friends were ahead of me so three, four of them walk in, and then I, the lady blocked my entrance. She wouldn't let me in. And I didn't know what to do. So I'm in high school at this point, and I knew it was wrong. I knew I had a right to be in the store, but I didn't know what to say or what to do. So I literally just hung outside of the store while my friend shopped. And I went home and told my mom, and <laughs> she was pissed. Um, <laughs> and she went back to up, up to the store and, and had some words with this lady. But it struck me that, you know, mom's 66 and I'm 36. There's this 30-year age gap, and we're still experiencing the same sort of discrimination. And it looks different, and it's not always that blatant, but it's still there. Um, so, yeah. We've got some. Uh, we've got some questions. Um, uh, before we get to the questions, um, you know, one of the things that it seems like we find a lot of times is um, is objectification, right? If like if the if the gospel and scripture could really be boiled down, or sin in particular could be boiled down by looking through the entirety of scripture, um, the one thing that God just consistently calls out is when we make other people into objects. Or, or when, we, when we sort of look at people in a particular way and instead of saying Marco, we say Mexican guy, you know? Instead of saying Dara with her friends looking for a pretty dress, we think black person, you know, outsider. And these are the things that we've seen in scripture that, that Jesus has brought us in a whole new way around this gospel. 
And we're going to talk about it in a minute, but, but I just want to get our, our minds sort of couched in these things. These are great questions. Uh, there are some really good questions that are very specific about other cultures that I don't know we have the time to go into, or I don't necessarily know that I have the expertise. Plus, I want to make sure we get to all of these. And so I'm going to ask a question, and then it's like family feud style. You smack the... I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <clears throat> This is probably a good question for uh, both of you. Is it uncomfortable for you if we invite you to something and we know it's going to be mostly or all white people? Who's first? I'll take that. All right. Um, for me, no. I'm a minority wherever I go. Hmm. The only time I can remember not being a minority is when I went, or uh, not being a minority is when I'm on like a HBCU campus or something like that, you know, at a football game at A&T. Literally everywhere else I go. At HBC, Historically oh, Black College. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally everywhere else I go, I'm a minority. I, it, it would probably catch me off guard if someone invited me somewhere and it was all black people. You know, that would just I'd be like, oh, wait, what's happening? <laughs> so, um, no, I, you know, I, that's just, if we're in Charlotte, that's probably going to be the experience that we have. Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, to the person that wrote that, um, don't. How can I say? Don't don't allow that to discourage you from inviting someone from another nationality or ethnicity. The reason is because that's the same reason there's still dividers mm -hmm. between cultures. Um, I've had friends, I even family members, that sometimes says, "Well, it's kind of uncomfortable when you don't know how to host for them, so we're just not going to invite." Right. You know, and and I've heard this from friends as well, um, from both sides, whether African American or, or whites. I've seen it from both ways, and and they just don't want them to feel uncomfortable, so we're not gonna invite them. That's the negligence. That is worse than actually disrespecting someone. Awesome, mm -hmm. thanks. All right, uh, give me a suggestion on how to communicate with a non-English speaker. Maybe this is one for you. Body language. Um, think about your children. Think about yourself when you were learning uh, English for the first time or any other language you were. So speak working. really loudly and slowly, right? <laughs> yeah. Marco. You know, yeah. No, 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 How no. are you? Do you understand the you... words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> no, but, no, it, it, true, honestly, I, I, I was, when I was serving the country, I traveled a lot of countries. Um, you know, I was stationed in Germany, South Korea, and, and was deployed in Kosovo. And so I was in Greece and some other uh, countries, Macedonia and others. And one of the beautiful things was that a lot of people that I knew that were very sheltered in the base that wouldn't want to come out, uh, were more, it was one of those things that I was telling you about not wanting people comfortable. I would go out and I would be humble enough just to make a fool of myself, just trying to say the words in their country. Hmm. And for me, that right there was much greater than anything else. But it was the body language. It was just the, the expression of being humble in their country and not, not giving them fuel for the stereotypes that they had of Americans back then. Oh, they're just arrogant. They think they're better than us. Mm -hmm. Remember that when you're dealing with a different culture or a different country. They will welcome you, even if you don't speak the language. I mean, I, I spoke Hangul very little. I mean, that's South, that's Korean, or I spoke the, you know, uh, Deutsch, you know, which is German and and Deutschland. But it was just one or two, three words. I mean, and they would embrace me. And then all of a sudden, my friends were like, "Well, nobody speaks English here. They're all dumb or something." But then I go there on a different time, and I'm making a fool of myself trying to speak German, and they welcome me, and they all speak English. But they were acting like they didn't speak English because they were being rude to start with. There was a uh, there was a video out. Um, 
that uh, I think you probably find on YouTube, and it's called Your Black Friend. Have you ever seen this video? I don't know if you've ever seen this video. And basically, it's just like a perspective of somebody who is not white and is talking about your black friend and kind of giving you a heads up as a white person. You know, this is what your black friend is thinking. Like the way that you're talking, the way you just sort of assume that uh, um, it's okay for you to walk across somebody else's property line, right? And um, I think that was maybe it was from uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu's book on um, No Future Without Forgiveness, where he talked about that, um, that, that, that like young African-American boys couldn't walk across, you know, they would stop each other from walking across, cutting through, whereas, you know, young white kids, man, we just walked through anybody's yard, you know, and your black friend wanted you to know that they couldn't walk with you when you walk through somebody else's yard, and that was a really big deal. Um, anything to add to that, or we'll get ready for the next one? Okay. What do I say as a white person that is offensive to other races that I don't even realize I'm saying that's offensive? Um, for me, the big one would be when people say I don't see race or I don't see color. Mm. Um, because it strips me of who I am. I'm, I'm black and um, I have that's part of my identity. And so for you to say you don't see that, I, I understand what people are trying to say, but I think it sort of misses the point. Um, it's not that we don't need to see differences in other people to feel united. It, it's that we need to see those differences and still be willing to be united, still willing to want to know each other um, and connect. I have nothing to say. <laughs> that, that was good. That was good. Um, all right, next, this is a two-parter. How can I be uh, made more aware? How can I be more aware of those things? Um, so I would say first look at your circle. Um, if you kind of think about your close friends and there aren't any people that don't look like you, mm. you probably need to expand it um, because you're never going to know what other people are like if you don't hang out with anyone that's different than you. Um, you know, it's, it's not a lot of churches that would even have a forum like this to open up dialogue. Um, and so you kind of have to want it. Mm -hmm. um, if that means reading books by minorities or serving your community and getting to know people that live in the same area as you, um, I think people just have to be more proactive than a lot of people are willing to be. Yeah, I think if uh, following what she said, um, seeking, uh, embracing the opportunity uh, to feel uncomfortable, that the mo <laughs> and this is a quote that I, I remember always hearing, is like, the day we die is the day you think you know everything. <laughs> The day you live is when you realize you don't know everything. Yeah. Um, so as long as you're still breathing, as long as you're still living, as long as you're still eating, embrace that opportunity to feel uncomfortable because there is so much we do not know of each other. There's just, just not. I mean, there's not enough time in the day to really get to know each other. But embrace that opportunity if it does come up. Like, you know, she stated, um, and that's one of the things I always, I, I try to live by, you know. Yeah. It's, it's like, it doesn't matter, I don't see any strangers, you know. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Oh, this is a great one. To refer to ethnicity, should one say African American or black? <laughs> um, I, black's fine with me. I, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to speak for all black people. There probably are. Wait, you're not? No, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I thought that's what this was. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's some that prefer um, African American. Um, yeah, for me, it's black because I'm not African-American. Um, I have a friend that's from Nigeria. He's African-American because he was born there and now he lives here. Um, so I do think there is that distinction. Um, 
it's, I don't think black is offensive in any way. I've never had anybody ask me um, where, I was just thinking back to your first, your first thing, I've never had anybody ask me where I'm from and, and, and not be satisfied with Tennessee, you know? Like, I've never had anybody say, no, 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 but, but like, where are you from, you know? Because clearly, you're not from here. You know? Well, uh, I don't know, German, Scotch, Irish, is that what you're looking for? You know, like, I've never had anybody, you know, then address me as, um, oh, it's the German, Scotch, Irish guy. Right? Have you ever seen that episode uh, of The Office where Michael is asking Karen, so Karen came from a different branch, <laughs> yeah. and asked basically if her dad was a GI because she, she had darker skin. Yeah. Um, I've had that same experience where someone wow. asked um, you know, where my father was from because I had very exotic eyes. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pretend like I didn't hear you. <laughs> One of, the, one of the things that I uh, learned, I guess, a number of years ago um, was that it was also helpful to not classify people by color, um, by just saying that the blacks or the whites or the Mexicans, um, but to, to refer to them as people always, right? It's to remember you know, that, that we are united right, in the waters of baptism and called children of God. So our, our ultimate identity is, uh, is in the waters as children of God. So you might say a Mexican child of God or a black child of God or, or, or a white person. But to add that little bit at the end, I think is one of the ways that we can really help uh, to break down some of that junk that divides um, as well. Oh, good. How tough is it? This is for both of you. How tough is it to really live in our country? Uh, oh. See, I was raised in a border town. So I live on. Tell us what a border town is. Yeah, so I live at a little town named Calexico. And then right across the border was Mexicali. Get it? Mm-hmm. And I lived on Third Street uh, since I believe I was in fourth grade. So the, I think right there gives me the perfect example of how difficult sometimes it is to, to be raised with two cultures, to be raised in two countries, um, two languages, um, but also two traditions, two norms. Um, and I always saw the divider between just crossing that border. Um, and it wasn't always be- between black, white, brown, or whatever, or Asians, but it, it really had to do with what people were comfortable with. It's almost like Pastor Matt has done in sermons where uh, how Lutherans have a certain language in church. Mm. Baptists have a certain language in church. I used to see this over and over because if I went to Mexico, I wasn't Mexican. You're, you're like a hybrid, a pocho. They used to call me a pocho. But if I'm in the U.S., I'm not American because the first thing they see is my color. Mm. Unless they're comfortable enough to feel uncomfortable to come close to me, to speak with me. Because once they start talking to me, they're going to realize, oh my goodness, he speaks English. <laughs> but, but that's the thing is, just being raised in that experience is almost like being a saint and a sinner, you know, or, or, you know, or being, be, being a, uh, like I said, an American and a Mexican. You know, some people, in, in, uh, depending on the generation of Hispanics, they don't consider themselves, uh, you know, they, they're, they're like, well, I'm not Mexican-American, I'm American-Mexican. They, they flip it. So, you know, it's kind of like she was saying about between some are offended with black or African-American. Uh, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, we're, uh, it, it's, that was my experience. I, I hope I answered the question. Yeah. I 
I don't think living here is any harder than it is for anyone else. I think the challenges might be different. Um, I think for me and for probably my husband as well, it's challenging to always feel like we're trying to break out of stereotypes that people put on us. Um, so he's a, a big, strong guy, super muscular, um, and so people are just automatically intimidated by him. Um, and we just have to think about things a little bit differently. He has to think about his body language if he gets pulled over at a traffic stop or something mm. like that. He's had a negative experience with police um, just being pulled over. They thought that he fit this, the um, description of a suspect who stole a car. It turned out he didn't fit the description, his car didn't fit the description, but because he was a black guy driving, he got pulled over and, and it had a gun pulled on him. Um, if I, if I raise my temper, all of a sudden I'm an angry black woman, mm. which might not be fair. I mean, yes, I am an angry black woman in that moment, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, you know, that's not who I am. That's not the label that I would want affixed to me. Um, I don't, but, you know, I think there's people all over of, of every nationality, white, black, Mexican, um, who have all those struggles, and I think... I think in this day and age, it's so easy to label someone and so easy to put someone in a box and say, this is what you are, this is what nationality you are, this is what um, political affiliation you have, and then you make assumptions about who that person is or what their background is like. Um, I just don't think it's the way to interact with people. I think, um, if anything, as Christians, that's who we should be searching out. Are you a Christian? I'm going to interact with you a little bit differently, and that's the only label that should matter. Well, you know, this is, uh, this is one of those things where I, I could have probably brought 150 different people up on this stage, right? Because in this room, there are all kinds of folks with different backgrounds and different things that have gone on in our lives. And, and I think one of the most helpful things for me is to always, um, always assume um, that, uh, that the folks, you, you, you never really know the fullness of the story of the people that you're talking to. Um, and, and, and when we talk about um, baptism, we talk about the waters of baptism, we talked about being clothed with the righteousness of Christ. That way, when people um, look at other folks, we've talked about that you, wouldn't, um, that you wouldn't necessarily see the barriers in between you as much as you would see the connections and God's great creativity in this world. Um, because there are all kinds of different folks. And we could have talked about all kinds of different stereotypes on this stage. I want to just take a second and thank you guys so much for your time, for being willing to be so open. Um, we could probably do this for another hour, um, but then we'll miss the buffet, and that's not good. Um, but uh, I just want to give thanks to God uh, for you all in congregation if you would help me out. Thank you all. So I... Um, so I uh, one time I got a gift, and it was, a, it was really sweet from a family member, and they gave me a gift. And the gift was uh, one of those Visa cards. Has anybody ever got one of those Visa cards that, um, that like, it comes and there's money on it, and it's like a nice way of somebody giving you money without them having to give you cash? Although, I mean, I guess cash is probably easier in some ways, but, but they gave me this card. And, and the card on it was like, it was like 50 bucks, right? And so when they gave it to me at the time, I think I was like, I don't know, shortly out of college and newly married or something like that. And 50 bucks is a big deal, right? No matter what time of life. And I'm like, this is really awesome. This is a really cool thing to have. 
So I, um, I got all excited. I was like, I probably was going to Guitar Center or something like that, because you know that's what I do with $50. And so, <laughs> and so I'm going to the store. I don't even remember what store it was. And, uh, and I've got my card, and I'm so fired up. I got whatever the thing was I was going to buy. I don't even remember what it was at this point. And I go to pay, right? And I hand him the card. And when I hand her the card, uh, she's like, it's not working. I'm like, but it says 50 bucks on it. I mean, it's like, this is a valuable thing. Like, I, uh, this, is, this is really important. And, and I've been carrying around so excited about using this finally. And here it is. I'm handing it to you, and it doesn't work. She's like, well, I'll try it again. I mean, we could definitely try it again. So she does the swiping thing again. And she's like, um, listen, i got to tell you, it's just not, it's not working. And so all of a sudden, I started thinking, well, this thing isn't valuable at all. It's just a piece of plastic with numbers on it and then some sort of dollar value assigned to it that ultimately it's nothing, nothing is ultimately working. So this great thing of value it was just basically, uh, I don't know, something that you could flick across the room. It was just a stupid piece of plastic at that point. She gave it back to me and she said, oh, I know what the problem is. I said, what's the problem? She said, you haven't activated it yet. So apparently I had to call in and there's just some process and I guess they take like $5 off the top so now it's $45 and I was mad about that but it was a great illustration for me to think about how we often carry around the valuable gospel. We carry it around and we know it's such an awesome thing. This beautiful, wonderful thing that, that we could use in almost any situation in our life. This precious and wonderful gospel message about how God loves us no matter what. There are so many people in this room that know that firsthand, if you do say amen, that God loves you no matter what. That God sent his son to die and be raised to new life and brought us all to new life in that same moment. That's a God that loves us, has walked with us through all the junk, all the mess, all the frustrations to bring us to healing, to life, to hope. But sometimes we just carry it around in our pocket, kind of tucked away, back in the back part of our wallet, and we kind of forget it's even there, you know. But it's of such great value, and it comes to life when we activate it. It comes to life when we are the gospel. It comes to life when we realize that God has called us around this table to see the victory feast. You know, one day it says every knee will bend and every tongue will confess that God is Lord alone. That's the promise. So there really isn't an us and a them. It's only us. Always, because of Jesus, it's only us. So brothers and sisters in Christ, take the gospel out of your wallet and use it every single place you go. The difference between this and that Visa gift card is that this never runs out. God bestows that grace, that mercy upon us every single day. That everywhere we go and every person that we meet and every part of our circle, God gives us enough grace and mercy to activate it. So as we come together as the body of Christ, we remember that some are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are ears, some of us are eyes, and we know we all have different parts of this body that we are, but it's one 
body, one church. So church, today we pray for healing, healing for our nation, healing for our communities, healing in Jesus Christ. Pray with me if you would. Good and gracious God, we pray that you would activate us, activate your gospel in us. Help us to see the places in our lives, the people that want to know, to feel, to touch, to taste, and see that you are good, God. Bring us to new life. We pray for a nation, for a world broken, a world that's constantly dividing itself against one another, saying, for me to be right, you've got to be wrong. Calling each other names, defining each other by an ethnicity or a lifestyle or a socioeconomic place. But Lord, you call us to remember that the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. For there is one body, one body of Christ. So Lord, heal us this day. We pray that these people in this place would go forth from this place to bring that gospel to life. And Lord, we're gonna swipe that card everywhere. So we better have a good credit limit. <laughs> Lord, do your will, your work in our lives. We pray over these hands and feet, these eyes and ears, that we might be a part of your gospel now and forevermore. And Jesus Christ, heavenly and holy name and all of God's children say, All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.